Well, a while back, I had a pretty humbling experience. I wonder if anything like this has ever happened to you. A friend of mine here in the church called me one day and asked if he could come by the house. He said he had something he wanted to talk with me about privately. His tone indicated to me that he was hesitant to do this, that it was going to be difficult for him, but that he felt compelled to. And I felt my insides kind of tighten up. You know that feeling? As I figured that I was probably about to be confronted about something. So he did. He came over and we went downstairs and started to talk. And he began by saying, I've got some hard things I need to say to you today, but I think I need to share them with you. It's going to be very difficult for me. And, you know, I was not only his friend, but his pastor. So I know that he felt a little awkward about it. He said um, he did not want to hurt me, but that he had observed some things in my life that he thought might be a blind spot. So I remember kind of bracing myself emotionally and saying, well, you know, it took guts for you to come here and say this to me, so I'll be a man too and I'll listen to what you have to say. So lay it on me. So he did. He carefully but firmly pointed out an incident that he had observed where I had not taken sufficient responsibility for the behavior of my three young children in a public setting and how failing to do so had been very insensitive to my wife as well as to the others who, had, who were present there. He wondered if it, this was an isolated incident or if this was becoming a pattern with me. And he looked me in the eye and said, I'm just concerned about you. Now, I must confess, part of me just wanted to defend myself, to recite my long history of stellar parenting performance. And while I was at it, make a few choice comments about his kids' behavior. But uh, I think I was able to squelch all of those fleshly impulses and uh, hear him out without putting the gloves on. I remember sitting there while he was talking to me, and the Spirit was talking to me also, whispering to me, Steve, you tell other people that they should be open to growing and changing. How about you? Are you open? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth about you? How badly do you want to know the truth? I'm trying to get something across to you. I'm using someone else's vocal cords to do it. So listen, there's truth in what this friend is saying to you. And of course, I took it all to heart, changed my life, became the perfect parent and husband. From then on, my kids became perfect as well, and we all lived happily ever after. (laughs) Not quite. Well, in this series, we're talking about becoming a brother's keeper kind of church where we can speak the truth to each other and receive and hear the truth from each other. The kind of church where we care for one another, we love each other, we help each other grow spiritually, and we feel a measure of responsibility for each other's physical and spiritual well-being. But you know, you can't get very far into this discussion before you realize that one of the main things that can sabotage this vision of a Brother's Keeper church is lack of truth and lack of truthfulness. Last weekend I read you this verse from Ephesians 4, verse 15. Let me read it again. Instead, it says, speaking the truth in love. Would you say that phrase with me? Speaking the truth in love, 
we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Man, that little phrase is pregnant with meaning and significance. These two simple words, truth and love, summarize what Christ deeply wants his body to embrace and possess and live out. They also describe what we have to offer the world, don't they? Truth and love. That's what we have. Truth, something solid to believe in. And love, a loving, authentic community to be a part of, to belong to. Back in week one of this series, we talked quite a bit about love, agape love. Do you remember that? And we saw from 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, that Jesus Christ was the supreme example of agape love. He laid down his life for us. And then he said, I want you to lay down your lives for each other. So that's love. But what about this notion of truth? Truth in love. What's, what's truth about? It's interesting to note that in this verse, Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, that the word speaking is not in the original language. It was supplied by translators. The phrase could literally be translated, truthing in love. But since truthing is not a word, they inserted the word speaking so that it would make sense to us. But the concept goes beyond speaking truth to living truth embodying truth, being truth, truthing, truthing in love. When I read through the New Testament, I I see just how important this notion of truth is to life in the body of Christ. Truth is to permeate every aspect of our lives, personally and in our lives together as a community. You can grab your outline there out of your worship folder and Note these eight priorities of a truth community. We are to know the truth. We are to believe the truth. We are to think the truth, live the truth, rejoice in truth, pass on the truth. Wasn't that cool seeing those parents up here this morning with their little ones? They always squirm. You know, you're always hoping your child will be so well behaved in that moment. And they always squirm and spit up and that kind of thing. And here are these parents committing publicly to their body. By God's grace and with your help, we will pass on the truth to the next generation. We will raise our kids to know the truth, to love Jesus Christ. We are called to speak the truth and to hear the truth. In essence, the New Testament is calling us to become a truth community where truth is valued, spoken, received, lived out. And listen, not only the truth about God and His Word, which are so important, but in addition, the truth about us. See, it's sometimes easy to talk about the truth about God, easier to do that than to admit the truth about ourselves, isn't it? Isn't it true that the natural human tendency is to hide the truth about ourselves rather than reveal it? Isn't this what our ancestors did way back in the Garden of Eden? When God came to Adam and Eve, what were they doing? Hiding. (laughs) Trying to conceal their sin and their shame. I think in a sense this is what Cain was doing when God sought him out and asked him, Where is your brother Abel? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? 
classic deflection tactic. I think he was saying, listen, I don't want to admit the truth about what I did. I don't want to admit my failure to look after my brother and care for him. I want to hide my sin rather than be exposed. So in the time that remains, I want to explore something that might cause some of you to break out in a cold sweat. And yet I think it's a vital part of becoming a brother's keeper kind of community. It's something that followers of Jesus practiced regularly for centuries, and only in the last few hundred years has this gone out of vogue among followers of Christ. And I think we're reaping the consequences. I want to talk about the lost art of confessing our sins to each other. You see, James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I think that our tendency to hide the truth about ourselves is a barrier to becoming a healthy Brothers Keeper community. Much of what I'm going to share with you in the next few minutes is not original with me. It's borrowed. It is gleaned from those who've spoken into my life in this particular matter. Now, I remember that after my friend confronted me with my shortcomings, that uh, I had to take some time to process it. Are you that way? I, I just need some time to think about that. You know, usually I have an initial, initial reflex response, and you, I need to delete that and then process it. When he first told me this, it stung, and I kind of resented it. I wanted to fire back. But on the, on the other hand, I had to ask, is it true? This is a friend. He wasn't just taking shots at me. He cared. It was hard for him to come over and say this. He must really believe that there's truth in it. I remember wrestling with conflicting emotions and talking with my wife about it and going back and forth. Finally, I came to the conclusion. He's right. (laughs) There's truth in what he was telling me. And I remember we went over to his house sometime later and we sat there and I said to him, you were right. And I'm seeing it more clearly now. I actually managed to thank him. It took me a while to get there, but thank him for pointing it out to me. It was the truth about me. And I needed to hear it, and I needed to admit it and confess it and own up to it. I needed to be humble in order to receive God's grace to change it. You know, sometimes we don't really see the truth about ourselves. Isn't that true? And we need somebody else, a brother or sister in the body of Christ, to point it out to us in a loving and respectful way. Other times we do know the truth about ourselves. We're just too embarrassed or ashamed to admit it publicly or beyond ourselves. We don't want to be exposed. We fear that people, if they knew the truth about us, might think about us differently, might condemn us, cause us to feel guilty. Maybe we might lose face with certain people. I want to be posing lots of questions for you to ponder today. Here's the one I want to ask right now. How many of us, I wonder, are brave enough to intentionally place ourselves in settings where it's appropriate to confess our faults, our shortcomings, and yes, even our sins to some other people? In other words, how many of us actually do James 5.16? Confess your sins to one another. You say, I'd rather stick a needle in my eye. 
Yeah, me too at times. It's the truth about me. Let me ask a few more questions. How badly do we want to be healthy, whole, truth-filled people? How deeply do we wish to be freed up from the sins and addictions that we've brought on to ourselves or that we inherited from our parents as these generational sins have gotten handed down from one generation to the next to the next? How badly do we want to break the cycle of that? How badly do we want to see our hearts and lives healed from the effects of sinning and the effects of being sinned against? That's the question. Confess your sins to each other. Here's a definition of confession that you might want to note. The word in the original language means to say the same thing, to speak the same thing, to agree with God that our thoughts or attitudes or behaviors are morally wrong. To say it, I was wrong. To confess is to say that thought, that attitude, that response, that action, it was wrong. That's confession. Two interesting things about confession. One, confession always involves taking a position on my sin. It always involves saying, you know what, that was out of bounds. That was outside the foul lines. It was morally wrong. And confession always involves an audience. Confession involves confessing to somebody the truth about ourselves. You know, I think there's a couple common misconceptions about confession and who to confess to. Some folks have been taught this. Well, in order to gain or keep God's forgiveness, I need to confess my sins to somebody else. Those of you who grew up with a Catholic background, and that's many of you, were likely taught this growing up. The 1994 Catholic Catechism states this. The forgiveness of sins committed after baptism is conferred by a particular sacrament called the sacrament of confession and penance. Only priests who have received the faculty of absolving sins from the authority of the church can forgive sins in the name of Christ. And so many people, many of our Catholic friends growing up who were taught this think, well, if I want God to forgive me, I'd better tell the priest about my sin. But the truth is that the Word of God teaches that Jesus Christ became our faithful high priest by virtue of his death on the cross. That Jesus Christ grants forgiveness. And that the truth is, is that you do not need a middleman to receive forgiveness from God. That through Jesus, you can go straight to God and receive and confess your sins and receive forgiveness. As the scripture says in 1 John, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And in Mark 2.10, Jesus himself said, I have authority to forgive sins. Check out Hebrews 7.23-25 and you'll see this truth clearly. We can go straight to God and receive forgiveness. So, then people say, well then, since only God ultimately forgives sin, then there's no need to confess it to anybody else. This is the challenge faced by those of us with a Protestant background who grew up being taught this. 
We know we can go straight to God through Christ to confess our sins and get forgiveness. So why tell anyone else? Doing that sounds like a recipe for embarrassment. Unnecessary embarrassment. And so the norm for people from this background is to secretly confess sin only to God. No one else needs to know. But this too is a misconception. Confess your sins to one another, James says. The real question is, do we want to be a community of truth or not? Do we want to be real? Or do we want to keep hiding behind masks? I had this funny vision as I was thinking about this this week. What if everybody in this service came in this morning with a mask on? You know, one of those masks you can get up here at the dollar store. And you look around and it's like, everybody's wearing a mask. You think, this is crazy, this is ridiculous. But I wonder how many of us come on a weekend or to our small group or a men's or women's gathering and we're literally coming with masks on, hiding behind a mask. Last weekend, a pastor, another area pastor in town, came and spoke to our small group leaders. And he said, you know, at our church over on the other side of town, here's what we do. Here's what we say to new people who are coming into our church. We look at them and say, hey, you know what? We know your secret. We already know your secret, your deep, dark secret. You're messed up. Just like we all are. We all got it, didn't we? And he said, we just tell people, you know, don't pretend, don't pose. We don't need to hide behind masks. Let's just get real and be honest. We're all messed up in one way or another. So we know each other's secret. You say, when I think about taking that kind of a risk of being vulnerable and transparent and admitting my sins and faults to some people, that sounds risky. That sounds like it's going to cost me something. It might. I cannot stand up here and guarantee you that if you expose yourself you know, and your sins in a certain setting that you know, there won't be a cost. You may lose face with some people. I hope not, but you may. There may be some people who will view you differently from that point on. Again, I hope not, if they're being real. It's possible that you might get betrayed by someone who doesn't have the self-control or self-discipline to keep a confidence and, you know, to say, well, if it's said in this room, we're going to keep it in this room, we're going to keep it between us. That could happen. Count the cost. More often, though, my experience with this is, especially around here, is that people value and appreciate transparency that when people get real and honest the respect doesn't go down but it goes up just last week someone sitting in this service wrote me a note on their card apparently someone who's been in other churches and uh, they wrote this the difference between this church and the other churches that I've been in is that here the people are real I can tell that they are the real deal I hope this person was right. No posing, no pretending. We are who we are. We're giving each other this permission to know us. It might cost you something. The real question is, is this the way Jesus wants his people to be with each other? And if there's a cost, are there also some benefits? (laughs) 
Will anything be gained by me getting honest in an appropriate setting and taking my mask off and sharing my junk with some other people? And there are all kinds of benefits. I want to mention two that I think will resonate with some of you. Why should I confess my sin to others? First, confessing your sin to someone else just might allow you to truly experience God's forgiveness. How many of you know that there's a difference between being forgiven and feeling forgiven? You know, a lot of us have experienced that, right? We've, we've taken something to God, something that was you know, ugly in our lives, a sin, and we've said, God, I, it was wrong. Please forgive me. By the cross of Jesus, through his shed blood, please cleanse and forgive me. And objectively, our mind tells us you've been forgiven, but we don't feel forgiven. We're not experiencing it. I know there are a number of you that this is where you're at because you've told me this. And for you, this point alone is worth the price of admission today. God is calling you to confess that already forgiven by God's sin to a flesh and blood person. Someone right here in this body. Perhaps someone in your small group. A spiritual partner. Perhaps a ministry leader here today. And when you do that, you will actually feel forgiven. Happened last night right here. A guy looked up at me after confessing something to me and his countenance was different. And I said, you feel forgiven, don't you? He said, yeah, this is good. It'll be a glorious day for you when you no longer have to drag that thing around, that thing that's been dogging you for weeks or months and maybe years because you've not only asked God to forgive you, but you've confessed to someone else this thing that's been in your life. The second reason to confess our sins to one another is that humbly doing so releases God's grace in us to produce real change. Listen, breaking free from a long-held addiction all by yourself is virtually impossible. It's true, isn't it? That, That secret addiction to gambling, that secret gambling addiction, that secret porn addiction, that food addiction that you've been struggling with for weeks or months or years, you'd like to overcome it, you'd like to break free from it, it is virtually impossible just by yourself on your own to do that. But when you decide to humble yourself and let the right brother or sister know about this, God says, I give grace to the humble. I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And you will experience the grace of God pouring into your life and giving you the power and ability to do the will of God. Because you received the grace of God. You say, well, where? Where, where? You keep saying the appropriate place, the appropriate place with trusted people. Where is the place at New Life where this kind of transparency should take place? Am I supposed to come in on a weekend and grab somebody in the lobby and say, uh, hey, I'm, a, I'm an axe murderer? Just thought I want to confess that to you. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Let me give you, you might want to write these down, several settings, places, where my hope and prayer is that this will become the norm. Number one, small group. 
You knew I was going to say that. Yeah. That group of 6, 8, 10, 12 people that's getting closer, that's starting to really learn to love each other, that's sharing on a deeper level where masks are starting to come off. And one week, you know, maybe you've divided up men and ladies and one week as you're taking prayer requests, one of you says, I'm going to take the risk. Instead of sharing about, you know, some prayer request way distant, this person says, I, I got... Guys, gals, I got to share something with you that's it's just some junk that's in my heart. And uh, I need you to hear me out, not judge me, not condemn me, but support and pray for me. And could this stay here in this room? It's a small group. I mean, that's the most likely place for this kind of brother's keeper activity to take place. The second setting or relationship where this is appropriate, I think, is that of a spiritual partner. Maybe that's someone in your small group that you've covenanted together with and you say, you know what, let's get together once a month or every other week and let's, let's sharpen each other. Let's hold each other accountable for some things and yes, let's confess our sins to each other. The third appropriate setting in our church would be an encounter weekend. How many of you have been on an encounter weekend? Would you recommend it? Yeah, yeah i got some enthusiastic folks out there. The Encounter Weekend is a retreat weekend off-site, best to go on with folks from your small group or some friends, where Pastor Jay with the guys or Janet with the gals will take you through the scriptural teaching on our position in Christ and the truth that can set you free. And you're there with a group of people that where everybody's getting honest about their stuff, about their junk, and getting it out. And we've seen people now begin to experience freedom and feel forgiven, some for the first time in their lives. So, New Life Church, what if we continued becoming a community of believers who not only declared the truth about God and about His Word, but the truth about ourselves? What would that be like? What healing might we see in our own hearts, in our relationships, in our relationship with God? What grace would we find to overcome the sins in our lives? What love might we experience when masks come off and people start getting real with each other? And what powerful testimony would we begin to have with the people of this world who look in on us and say, wow, I have never seen a community like that community. That kind of love and acceptance and grace I've never seen before. Could I get in? Could we be a part of that? I've asked some pointed questions. I'm going to close with several more to kind of make it all personal. Are we willing, really willing to be transparent with each other? Are we willing to receive input on our lives? Or do we just have it all together? We don't need any input. Are we willing to be transparent even if nobody else is? Are we willing to share our sin with people we know in our church. You know what the trend is, don't you? Trend is if if you feel like, yeah, I need to own up to my junk, my sin, I'm going to find a counselor up in Lewis Center and go there and share with them, someone who's outside the normal circle of my life that I don't have daily interaction with. I would never do that with people I know. That's the trend is to go far and wide and get honest. But what if we got honest here in our community? 
And are you able to name a place where you regularly share the truth about your life with someone else? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And um, our team's going to come back up. And we've just built in some extended time these next few minutes to worship God, but also to respond to his word. I'm going to ask some of our small group leaders right now and ministry leaders to just slip out of your seat and take a place along the sidewalls, the perimeter of the room, maybe four or five on each side. Small group leaders, ministry staff members. Now certainly many of you came in today with um, just things weighing on you, things that... um, you know, your financial situation, stuff going on in your family perhaps or at work, you're burdened with, maybe you're facing a decision. you just like a brother or sister to pray with. And this is that time when you can do that. You can just slip out of your seat right now and go to one of these folks and uh, they would love the opportunity to just pray with you and help shoulder your burden, okay? But I do want to ask a couple of questions related to this message. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm wondering how many of you would say, You know, Steve, you talked about that guy, your friend coming and pointing out some things in your life. I'm wondering how many of you would say, I think the Spirit of God is prompting me to speak truth into somebody's life that I know. I think God's talking to me about that. Would you lift your hands? There's someone in my life who needs to hear the truth, and I I sense the Spirit of God prompting me. Maybe I'm the one who needs to be that person. And if so, by your upraised hand, would you just ask God for the courage to do that? Just say, God, give me the courage to speak the truth in love. In love. Just just tell the Spirit of God, I will cooperate with you in your work in that person's life. You can put your hands down. I'm wondering if there's some of you where where you're at, you would say, you know, the Spirit of God is prompting me that there's something in my life, either in my past or my present, that I need to confess, not only to God, but to someone else. I'm not feeling forgiven. There must be another step God wants me to take, and I'm sensing that, that there's something I need to confess, like you've been talking about, to, to another person, the right person. Would you lift your hands? Lift them up high. I'm seeing maybe 20, 25, 30 hands. You can put your hands down. Would you just tell the Lord right now? Yes, Lord. I'm willing to do that. I'll take the risk. How that person views me, I'll just put in your hands. It's more important that I take this step of obedience. Maybe you know right now the person that you should go to, that person in your small group or a mentor or a spiritual partner. But if no one is coming to your mind in specific, I would encourage you to slip out of your seat right now and go to one of these folks, one of these leaders, and just go to them. And you can trust them with this. Just say, I've got something I I need to confess to a human being because I'm not feeling forgiven yet or I'm not just haven't been able to break away from this and this is a necessary step. You can do that right now. You can do it right now. You say that takes guts. Yeah, it does. No question. But you have what it takes. 
God in you can give you the courage to take that step. Some are doing that. Are there others? I just need to confess this to a human being. This person will pray with you. They will not condemn you. They will keep it confident between you and them. Yeah, thank you, Lord. These next few minutes are yours to respond.